the sixth chapter. God just so good. Amen. And I appreciate him loving us. And, uh, you know, we're not here to prove anything to anybody. Not here to try to impress anybody. Amen. Just being real. But in that, a lot of folks don't realize there's one part about being real, but there's another thing about, you know, there's some, somebody said about layers of reading the Bible. There's some layers in you. Amen. And you know what? I could be real and say, I could have slept a little more today and you got tired me and that's real. Deal with it. Or I give you the best of me that I have to offer. Amen. And do my best because, you know, that's just loving your neighbor. And I can give God my best and amen and do my best to just love him and give him my all. Amen. And uh, that's what I want to give him. That's what I want to do. I, I have a lot of excuses like you do that maybe we could just give less than our best. But, you know, he's worthy. You can't give him any more than that. Don't put any unreal expectations on yourself. You can't give more than you got. And you can let the devil beat you up and condemn you. But, but he just wants the best you can. Amen. In him. Matthew 6. Let's ask God to help. And I want to ask you to help. Just pray for me that I can deliver God's word just, just better than my best which is an anointing from God. Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Lord, I know my best is not adequate, but God, if I could just offer you, Lord, what I can, and you can bless it, and you can anoint it, and Lord, that each one of us could receive that anointing, that we can hear, and that we can receive it into our hearts, and that it can change us and help us and to grow and to be more of what we ought to be, Lord. Help us, I pray, God, to have ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us, and Lord, bless now your people, Lord, I know there's some people struggling here today. I know there's some battles going on, Lord. Just I, I, I know, Lord God, that you care about each one, Lord God. It, that might not be at their best today, but God, it's we, we just give you our all, and we love you for it. God, bless your people today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew 6, verse 5. I'm really going to read about... 10 or 11 verses here, just so good about prayer, Jesus teaching about prayer, but we're only going to really focus in on three, three words of this whole passage, but let's read it together. Praise God. And when thou prayest, not if you pray, amen. When you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. And this and now it doesn't mean we don't pray publicly. He's not saying prayer that's public is wrong, but he gives the response that they may be seen of men. That's where they pray because they want people to see them. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. If you want that recognition, you got that man. Let man give you, you know, that's what sad thing when people want uh, the approval and the praise of men. He says, okay, you got your reward. You got what you want. Oh, good. People think a lot of me. Yeah, but God's not moving for you. You're selling out for for something that's just going to pass quickly. People's approval, it's so, it's so fickle. Amen. But if you pray for God's will to be done and God to move in your life, wow, then amazing things can happen. But thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy closet. When thou hast shut the door, thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's what you should be seeking for. His reward. Amen. 
But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. It doesn't say we don't repeat ourselves. Oh, I already prayed for my family once. I'm done, I guess. I don't want to repeat myself. No. It just don't let it be vain. Like little prayer books and recitations. You know, let it make some mean something from your heart. Not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. There are some... Uh, pagan religions that have what's called a prayer wheel and they write their prayers on that wheel and then they'll spin that wheel. And every time it comes around, that's another prayer going up. So you spin that thing real fast because that's a lot of prayers. And God's, God's looking for your heart. He wants you to pour your heart out to him. He wants you to be just, just have a relationship with him, not something vain and repetitive. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before we ask. He already knows, but he still wants that interaction. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever really, I I don't want to, well, go ahead and be seated. God bless you. Have you ever been in a place where you say, why even bother praying? He he knows he's ever, he's going to do his will and he, but God wants that interaction and that communication, that conversation. Amen. And again, amazing things can happen. After this manner, and it doesn't say repeat these words. After we just got done saying vain repetitions, he's not saying now learn this prayer and repeat it back to me. Amen. But after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. There's so much here we could spend so much time on. Just just the fact that a lot of this is our Father. It's a a community there. It's something that we're all involved. That you recognize even at the very first word of that prayer that I'm a part of something. Amen. And he's your fa- our father, which is in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. That's his character. We recognize that immediately. God, you're holy. Hey, when I start off in my prayer and I worship God and his holiness, it, it brings things into perspective. Because then I've got to look at myself before I ask anything, before I say anything to God. And I'm, I know it's just a little Bible study, but when I, when I begin my prayer with, Lord, you're holy, your name is holy, Then I start thanking him for the blood that was shed. I start thanking him for the cross. I start thanking him for his mercy and for his second chances. Amen. Because he is holy. His name is holy. And here I am coming before him. I got to stop and say, God, thank you that I can even come into your presence because I was born a sinner. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Our daily bread. I've said this to you several times, I guess, at least. I ask God, Lord, provide for us. Provide for us. But also, when I realize, God, you've blessed us so much, I stop and say, God, help me be a good steward of what you've blessed me with. And then I start thinking about all the spiritual bread that I need. And God, give me what I need to hear today in my heart and in my mind. Feed me with that spiritual bread. And today, daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Did you pray that recently? God, I need your forgiveness. Forgive me the same way I forgive other people. Just let that sit for a little while. It's not the only place in the Bible that's, that says it like that. But he said, this is how you ought to pray. You want mercy? Be merciful. You want forgiveness? God, Just forgive me the exact same way that I forgive other people. Well, I forgive them, but you know what? I'll never talk to them again. Okay, you got it. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I didn't mean that. God, 
Help me forgive the way you want me to forgive so that I can be like you. Because you know what? I've said this before. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And it almost seems like he looks around and they're all going, oh, and he goes, oh, it's that forgiveness thing I just talked about, isn't it? And he doubles back on it. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So he just uh, lays it in there. So much, so much here. And we could spend so much more time. But I want to go back to verse 10 where he says, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. I've heard this probably my earliest that I've heard preaching, Bible teaching, as well as a lot since then when I hear people try to kind of go through some, some lessons that I've seen people give, Bible studies, if you will, about this uh, pattern for prayer, that thy kingdom come. When we think about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is, I think, in interchangeable terms, I've heard people try to dissect that, but I, I, I think you're, you're, uh, you're wasting your time. But uh, they're, they're talking about heaven. They're talking about this location of, uh, of a future event that if we uh, uh, love him and walk with him and, and trust him and, and we endure to the end, that king, that's, gonna, that's his kingdom, heaven. And we're going to be there. What do you think about when you think about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? Oh, the, you know, right away, the, the street of gold, the, the gates of pearl and the, the 12 foundations. And in my father's house are many mansions. What's that all about? Oh, wow. I hope uh, I, I hope somebody helps me keep it clean. And I've heard a lot of different things talking about our, what heaven's going to be like. Of course, of course, you're missing the whole point. It's about Jesus. It's about wherever Jesus is. He said, uh, praise God, uh, he said, don't fear not, neither be afraid. He said, he said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also. Yeah. How can you skip over that and say, but in my father's house are many mansions. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Does it really matter that much what you think the street is made out of? If Jesus is there? <laughs> It could be muddy walkways. It's heaven if Jesus is there. It's not about really anything else. When you think about the kingdom of heaven, sometimes I've also heard that there, and I I don't think that this is uh, maybe 100% inaccurate, but the idea of, uh, of when Jesus returns and wraps this all up, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he's going to set up, going to banish the enemy. The devil's going to be thrown into the lake of fire eventually. And, and there'll be no tears and no sorrow. And there'll be righteousness and, and, and peace and, and love. And, and that's the kingdom of God. Just God just being right there in our midst. And, and everything that is, is negative and against us just, just taken care of. And it's wrapped all up and, and a new, uh, new heaven and a new earth. And there's something in uh, uh, the scriptures that talks about this groaning that happens within us and also in the earth, in the planet itself, which which is just groaning for for the day when the curse will be lifted. 
something in us, even though we're excited and the testimonies today were about how good God is and how exciting it is to live for God. And even the trials, you know, God's working in that. And and but there's something in us that says, you know, I'm I'm really looking for that day when we as blessed as I am, that I can have that uh, resurrected body and and that death and sickness and, and 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 this the nature of our flesh and temptation and the battle of the devil that that's all behind us now. And that's the rest. That's the peace, amen, that we're looking for. And we get a down payment of that through the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. And we're praying and we're desiring God. We, we want that to happen. And, and, uh, and for years I thought about, you know, that's, let your kingdom come. God, come back quickly. And, and that's a scriptural prayer in the book of Revelation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But there's so much more, I think, that really is the main point of why Jesus is telling us, pray thy kingdom come. If we start looking, and there's so many, I'm not going to, you know I won't, I won't keep you long, but if we go to Matthew 13 where Jesus is preaching parables, you'll see, and maybe now as you look through your New Testament especially, you'll, you'll notice even more so this phrase, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. If you look in the parables, Jesus it starts off with the parable of the sower. And um, the sower goes out to sow the seed. And we see that this is Jesus making a, an illustration of what happens when the word is preached. And how that, that is how God's kingdom, how God's church, if you will, begins to, is born and grows. It's like seed being planted in your heart and all the different things that try to hinder that process. And when they come to him after that, they say, the disciples in verse 10 came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So he uses this parable that is very apparently about planting the seed into our hearts, which is the word of God. You go to Romans 10 and talks about faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But how can they hear without a preacher? And how can a preacher even preach if he's not sent? And it talks about that process of God anointing the word through a preacher, preaching it into the hearts of people, and then faith taking that and conversion happens. God changes us through his word. And he's talking about that and all the hindrances uh, of the process there in Matthew 13. And he says, these are the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about end times and streets of gold and, and uh, Jesus returning and sitting in a throne. Why are we going to need somebody preaching, changing us and helping us believe and all that? No, no, no. He's not talking about then. He's talking about now. The, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven happening now drop down to verse 18 he tells another parable and says hear ye now the parable of the sower when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was so he's calling the word of god that is able to convert us and can able to change our lives from who we are into who god created us to be he calls it the word of the kingdom the word of the kingdom. Drop down to verse 24. He tells another parable. 
Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in a field, in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Obviously, we're not talking about heaven. The devil's not going through heaven planting weeds. We're not talking about after the devil has been cast into the lake of fire uh, during uh, God's reign and a new heaven and a new earth because you know, obviously the devil's already been overcome. So the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about something going on right now. He's talking about something happening as we are hearing, learning, growing, and fighting an enemy that's trying to undo everything that God's trying to do in us. Drop down a little bit farther into verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in its branches thereof. Again, this is God working in the present tense. That it doesn't seem like a lot. And to a lot of people in this community, maybe God's word and God's people just seem like the least of the least. Why should I even worry about that? I don't even know there was a church there. And God says, you're just a little seed. But if it's planted in the world, it can do great things. And others can come and and find lodging and find rest there. So we're not talking about heaven. As a geographic location, we're not talking about end times when God brings his... his, uh, physical uh reign but god the lord is our king today the kingdom is god effectively being practically in all of our lives being the king in our lives today in this world right now If you'll look at Jesus' prayer and he says, thy kingdom come, I really believe he defines what he means by God, let your kingdom come with the very next line. When we say, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait a minute. Let me think about that. What's his will in heaven? He's going to be seated there. He's we're going to see him face to face. And 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 there's not going to be uh, any selfishness, any pride, any. He's going to be reigning in our lives. But here we are in this world. God, let that be how I live my life today. You're my king today. I don't see you face to face. I see you through faith. And Lord, I I, I don't have you just right there uh, per se, but God, you are in me and you're with me. And God, let your will be done here right now in my life on earth, just like it is in heaven. More than just praying for his return, more than just looking at him coming back, but bringing our lives under his kingship. This is the difference between... I don't know how you might say it so many different ways, but, you know, having religion in your life, but not really, not really having what God's calling us to having a form of godliness. When we have our lives and say, God, I want you to get me to heaven. I want you to to bless me. I don't want you to let me have to deal with consequences, consequences. <laughs> I'll laugh before you get a chance to. That was funny. Consequences. 
I don't want to have to deal with my own consequences to my own selfish acts. God, please bless my day. Please don't let me have to deal with that. But I'm going to do my will nonetheless. God bless me. You know, it's kind of the anti-prayer of what Jesus said in Gethsemane, which a lot of people effectively live. Jesus cried and prayed because what was ahead of him seemed so difficult in the flesh. And he said, Lord, if, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And what I find in all practicality, a lot of people call themselves Christians. They pray and say, God, I, I, I really hope you don't make me face consequences to my actions. But nevertheless, not your will, but mine be done. We'll deal with that tomorrow. I know maybe this isn't best, and I'm not asking you if you want me to do this or not. I know what I want. I know what my will is. And I know this might not be pleasing to you, and I'm just counting on you to, to have mercy on me. On. Amen. I'm counting on you to, to maybe not let it be so bad and not get too angry with me, but nevertheless, not your will but mine be done. Right. He's not your king. Right. You're not in the kingdom. You might struggle with your will and God's will, but he's not your king if you don't submit to his sovereignty, to his will, to him having authority in your life. When we submit to God and obey him, it's because it's not a, oh, God, I'm so afraid of your wrath. But it's God. I trust that your will is so it's faith that says, God, you know better than me. And it seems like like I'm in a garden in Gethsemane right now saying, God, I, I just don't know how I'm going to make it if I do your will. And I don't know how I could possibly have enough strength to do your will. And I don't know how, how, I, how it's going to turn out if I do your will. But, Lord, I know, I know you've got it in your hands. And not my will, but thine be done. That's the kingdom. That's him being your king. Look what it says in Luke 17. And, and like I said, we could read scripture after scripture after scripture. This is not some, some thought that... Uh, has no basis in the word of God. No, no way. Luke seventeen twenty. when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. They're saying, when's that kingdom coming? Thy kingdom come. Well, when is it going to happen? And they're talking about messianic prophecies where the Christ would come and, and set up his kingdom, drive out the enemies of God, sit in a throne. And he said, when is your kingdom going to come? And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither say they neither shall they say low here or low there for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. All right. Wow. Yeah. If I wasn't interested in prophecy, I, I wouldn't be interested in the Bible because the Bible is a very prophetic book. Right. There's a lot there. But can I tell you something? The Bible talks about the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the, the bottom line of all prophecy is, God, you're working here today through me. And a lot of people that are familiar with prophecy kind of get this idea. Ah, trouble's coming. Let me find a bunker somewhere. And as one preacher I heard years ago say, so that I can outlast the last blast. That's not God's will. Somehow hide away. But the kingdom of God is in me. I've got to be about my father's business today. And prophecy is not going to cause me to to just keep on planting and keep on living and keep on shining and keep on being everything that God called me to be. And in the, no matter what I'm facing, 
no matter what I'm going through. Amen. Because the kingdom of God, though we understand, they're saying, where is it? If you go into the book of Acts, the disciples are, hey, you died, you're buried, you're risen again. This is great now. You're going to drive off the Romans now. And he's, oh, no, no, you just, that's, that's going to happen. You get your focus on Jerusalem, get over there, pray, and let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. Don't go now. Took them 10 days, but they focus in on what you need, and then you're going to go into all the world and, and shine, preach the gospel. Amen. Use words if you have to, one person said years ago, but get out there and be salt and be light, and that's the kingdom of God in you. Show them the kingdom of God. Show them a Christian. Show them somebody that is under the leadership of the great king. Show them something that is awesome and amazing and better than anything they've ever seen before in their lives. That they're jealous of you and say, hey, what? I want what you've got. I think Paul in one place talked about all the, the people with a, a Jewish heritage that had no time for Jesus. And he said, There's, when they start seeing the promises of God that God gave Abraham and they start seeing it in you and start seeing you being blessed and you being uh, just just having an amazing life. And, and they'll they're be provoked. I'm praying they're provoked to jealousy that they say, hey, wait a minute. Something's going on. I recognize things in you that's supposed to be ours. You've got these blessings of Abraham going on in you. What's going on? And you can tell them it's Jesus. Amen. God's so good. Look what it says in Colossians, the first chapter. And again, if I said I could give you dozens of scriptures just like this, I would not be exaggerating at all. Colossians 1.13 says, who hath delivered us? Look at that. It has been done, right? Right. right? From the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. What does that mean? I used to live under another king. Amen. King you. (laughs) King me. Amen. My will be done. Which if you pull back the veneer, it's really the devil working in his lies to you because we're bound in that. Amen. Amen. But when we get to begin to just yield ourselves and say, not my will, not what I want, but God, I want you to be the king in my life. I trust you. You're good. Amen. You know more than I know. And, and you've got, you, you've got my best interest in mind and I, mind and I always fail. So I want you to be the king of my life. I want you to lead me. I want you to teach me. Translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's got to start just right with, with us, with you, with me. When we begin to say, God, how do I begin? How, how do I live with a kingdom uh, view? With a... Uh, the, the idea of now I'm part of, uh, of your kingdom. I've got a first... Look at me. I I can't look at my wife or my children or my brother or my sister, people in the community and the government and all that and say, you know what? Jesus is not pleased with that. Start with you. First, get the mode out of you, the beam out of your eye. First, start with you. And you got to start saying, God, I want to I want my life to come under your kingship. That means not my will. 
not what I feel like today. God, what, God, if, if, if I really believe that you are in charge and I really believe every bit of it's good, but there's a battle going on. Mm -hmm. What I feel like doing today, what I'm in the mood for, we're used to feeding that, but I've got to say, God, how would you like me to live my life today? Uh, you're my king. And this isn't something I'm just worried about. I'm driving down the road and I, and, and I see somebody uh, pulled over up there and saying, you know what? I'm going to slow way down. I've got to say, I've got to say, God, you're in me. Yeah. It's not, I'm worried about if you catch me, you already know my thoughts and my right. feelings. And God, bring that under your leadership. Yeah. You know, you don't have a, we preach this a lot, a lot because it's so, it's such a, a big part of our lives. Just the, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart. Well, that's, that's who you are. Yeah. Not what you put on to show, but what's really inside. And, and God, bring that, that who I really am under your kingship. I can't control just everything that goes through my mind, but I, I can control what I dwell on. Control what I obsess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can. And you say, well, I can't control that. God will help you. That's one of the fruit of the spirits, uh, discipline, self-control. Temperance is the King James word that that we control. We can control that. We can cast down imaginations, and and we, it begins there, yeah. down inside. Let my heart, right. what's inside me, God, let rule over that. Yeah. See, it, it's, there's a lot of words there that even Christians, ah, you know, ruling and king and authority and submission. You know, I'm free. Listen to me. We're talking about a good king. Yeah. We're talking about God who is love. God who has a plan for your lives. He's a good father. Amen. As I, and I know as children, we can look at our parents and say, yeah, you don't love me. And you want to take all my fun and my toys. And you want to put all these rules on me. All for love. All for good. All for the blessed. To bless you for your best. Amen. So when we start looking at our lives and saying, God, let your will be done. You know, the words I speak, I don't want to speak words that I wouldn't speak in heaven. Amen. So God, cleanse that in me. I don't want to have habits and addictions that I wouldn't be in heaven. Amen. I want, I want God to set me free of all that. God, I want your will to be done on earth. Wait, who's king? Whose will are we talking about? Well, I don't think God really cares about it. I'm telling you what, when you come to a place where you say God cares about everything in my life and everything that I have, everything I, I want it under your lordship. I want you. Oh, then I wouldn't have any fun. You don't know the first thing about living for God. If you think God's not into fun, amen, you haven't read your Bible. Amen. Oh, you know what? If, if you start praying like praying like that, I guess you just want us to pray twenty four seven and then and then fast twenty four seven and be in church twenty four seven. I don't have no. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, brother, brother Mike's dad used to say, "Yeah, he's gonna make us wear sandals after a while, <laughs> robes and sandals." You know, no, 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 no. And he got that right. I'm thankful. <laughs> but uh, but God's good. God's good, and everything he's got is so good. Oh, yes. and, and if you don't think it's good, you, you're missing something. Yes. Right. And if you think your will's got something better than God wants for you, oh, you don't know God like, yes. like you need to know God. Right. You bring your life under his, his will. Yes. And, and you deal with everything you've got to deal with by God. I, I know you've got something good for me. You're my king now. 
my purpose, what God, what you want for me and, and, and the things in my life. And I just wanted to glorify you and I wanted to please you. And, and you'll find out God's going to take good care of you. And then when you begin to just look at your own life and say, okay, God, I, I'm just one step at a time. I'm surrendered to you and, and, and I want to please you and, and, uh, and I want to do your will. And you'll see good things start to happen. Amen. Then can I tell you what your prayer is? I mean, I'm not done. Oh, not even close. Because when you're living in his kingdom, now you say, God, let your kingdom not only be in me, but bring it through me. Yeah. That now the salt and light will affect other people. Amen. First in my home. Oh, you haven't been to my house. It's not heaven. We're not talking about heaven. There's some things there. There's some people there that they're not. They're not concerned about the kingdom of God. But you're in the kingdom of God. We're talking about bringing the kingdom here in a fallen world. So now we've got challenges. We still have a devil running around. Amen. We still got our will. Flesh is what the Bible refers to. What we want, that old nature. Amen. We got weak folks. We got rebellious folks. What are we going to do with that? God, let your will be done in me. I can't impose it on anybody. But I can shine a light. The Bible even talks about you know, uh, someone who, who becomes a believer after, uh, after they've been married and, and the, the, the chaste conversation, just the behavior of a child of God affecting that home. Because when you're living in a way that is glorifying to God, it's going to affect your surroundings. Sometimes it's going to bring friction. Sometimes it's going to bring problems. Yes, but you are going to still say, okay, God, this is what I'm dealing with. God, help me. You're going to find in this Bible principles that will help you live for God when things aren't the way they should be. Amen. I know uh, we're, we're going to get to this uh, taking it out in the community, too. But you look at the you look at the situations where the apostles were living in this. You know, people like Paul, you think we're we're quite there yet. You think our faith is there yet. And, you know, but he, he had a, a society that was that was throwing Christians in prison and feeding them the lions and putting them, slaying them with swords and all kind of things. Was he living for God? Was he able to say, well, God, you know, I want your kingdom to come, but this is, this is too tough for me. Let's get back to the family. There's a challenge when things aren't the way they ought to be. We are in a process of just living for God with what we have and still taking those principles into the challenges. I know that's not exciting. I know everybody's not going to shout and just say, wow, that's just, whoo, that's amazing. I'm just pumped up and ready to go. Because I'm telling you, there's no excuse to, to step back and say, I can't live for God. Because God's going to give you everything you need. And it is your job. It is our responsibility to affect the world that we live in, starting in our own homes. That we take everything that we have and surrender it to the principles of the word of God and say, God, this is how you bless things. And this is how, and, and our our reasoning which wasn't working too good before we came to God for us working for us very good that's why we need saved we say well I can never survive if I no wait God you know what you're talking about there are some things by faith that I can tell you for a fact we've sat down over over the years said this is just 
this doesn't add up. It's not going to work. I know, but God, we're going to obey you. We're going to trust you. And then the blessings start rolling in. I don't know how many times I've told people, listen, here's, here's what we do and here's how we do. But I'm telling you, once you really say, God, no matter what, I'm going to serve you. God starts blowing wind into your sails. And you start going faster and better than you ever did without him. And you'll see some things. You'll start seeing things that are nothing short of miraculous. That you'll be able to stand up and say, hey, let me tell you what God did. Because I can't take glory for this. I've got some good help and some good counsel and some good friends. and But God did all this. Amen. Because that's that's when, when it's exciting. When we thank God for one another all the time. But when God moves in a way that only he can get glory for it, that's that's the miracle. So we start living our lives day by day. And and uh, when things get difficult, we don't start. We don't revert back to me being the king, you know. Well, you know what? It was difficult today and somebody punched my buttons away. And and now you're going to get the old me. And we, no, no, God's still king. And when you uh, came into his kingdom, you said, God, remove those buttons. So they can't punch them and make me. Act like an idiot. <laughs> Praise God. Because God, that's not who I am anymore. I've been changed. I've been, and, and the Bible says uh, I've been bought with a price. I'm not even my own anymore. Amen. Amen. That's, that's awesome if you know how great God is. Amen. When you say, God, thank you. Because when I was left unsupervised, I was a mess. But now that I belong to you and you're taking care of me, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Right? So we got to look at it and not say, okay, now, now that I'm seeing everything in a kingdom mentality, a kingdom view, now I'm going to start delegating how everybody knows, but I'm going to start living and let people see it in me, shine that light, make sure God is first in me, and, then, and that, let that affect my surroundings. And then we take it out into the community. We take it to our jobs. Say, oh, I've got a, I've got a tough job. Well, you're in the kingdom of God now. You're in the kingdom of God now. Stop, stop, stop trying to figure it out. All the problems, all the hurt, all the difficulties. Stop trying to, to obsessing over that and start saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do today with this? It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be addressed. This Bible is full of, uh, of circumstance situations. These men and women in the Bible, they were living in very, very hateful times, very antagonistic times against faith and against Jesus. Amen. It wasn't very long after they crucified the Lord that Stephen was next in line. Amen. And James was next in line after that. And and on and on and on, you can see the imprisonment of Peter and Paul being thrown in dungeons and being beaten and all these things. And you say, well, don't you know what my boss said to me the other day? Don't you know how people treat me? Jesus, help me to do your will. Is anything in the Bible talks about when when people treat you poorly, how you ought to act? Well, that he is a king then. Ah, wait a minute. No, God's going to give you that strength. God's translating you. You got to realize it's not you. I'm not telling you, you got to do that. You got to just let God work in you and he'll give you the strength to do it. When you are. What am I supposed to do? But they they hate this and they 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 attack me for it. And it makes me so angry sometimes. Listen what it says back in Matthew, the fifth chapter, back in that same sermon we started with Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five eleven. I think we quoted this the other day. 
It was a memory verse for me when I was in, in uh, Sunday school many years ago. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. What am I supposed to do? Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know how hard it is when people hate me. You don't know how hard it is when people separate me from their company. God does. And I would say a lot of Christians do too. You you don't know how it is when they, they attack me. They falsely accuse me. Jesus does and a lot of Christians do too. You know how it is when they put pressure on me and make me feel, try to make me feel guilty when I don't do what they want. He's the king. And maybe we do. Maybe God does too. You think God doesn't hear all day, every day. God, if you do this for me, little spoiled brat saying, if you don't do for me, I'm going to hold my breath. God, I won't believe in you. I met a lot of atheists that were like that. So-called atheists. I I told God that I'm not going to believe in him because he did. You told God that you're not going to believe in him. You had a conversation with the one you won't believe because you're angry with him. Uh, I'm not saying it's all, but a lot of folks. Is, oh, I, I told God if he doesn't do this for me, and then, I, then I'm just not going to. I'm going to hold my breath. Right. Help us, Lord, with our little temper tantrums. Right. God can handle that. Yep. Can I tell you what? God can handle your doubts. God can handle your anger. Yeah. And he'll work through that with you if you let him. But listen to me now. When you start saying, God, this is not, I'm going to tell you, this is not, hey, well, God, I want to be saved and I want to love you. I'll tell you what a lot of people love. They love themselves. When you love God, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and you'll find out they're not grievous. That's That's the truth. But so many people, they are, they're loving uh, another Jesus is what it says in the word of God. Something that they've created in their own image. And God just will loves, God is only interested in what they like and what they're comfortable with and, and what they're in the mood for and what they, and that, and they're not willing to say, God, you're the king here. It's not my will. It's yours be done. Because when we see Jesus exemplifying that he's getting ready to go to a cross and he says, I I don't know how I'm going to do that. And it's not so much the nails and the thorns and the sword that I'm so worried about. It's not even the spitting and the mocking and the hitting and the whip that I'm so worried about, but I've got to take the sins of all the world. I never tasted sin before. I don't know what it's like to feel the rejection of sin. I don't know what it's like to feel the isolation of sin. I don't know what it's like to feel the condemnation of sin. And I've got to drink that bitter cup of the of all the sins of humanity and feel all that. I don't think I can make it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because I know you're good, God. We take that into the community. How do we change the world? Bring that that kingdom that's that has come into us, into into all the world. Let them see what it's like to live under King Jesus. Let them see how he meets your needs and how he blesses you and how when things go wrong, you're still so, so thankful to be a child of God. Let them see the fruit of the spirit in you where there used to be just works of the flesh. Look what it says in Matthew six, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's our first goal. Look, Jesus said, not even what we have to wear, not even what we have to eat, not, 
not the comforts of this life, but when you seek him first and his righteousness, seek his kingdom, seek him being in his proper place in our lives, let him be the on the throne in our lives and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. How many know it's true? How many know that I'm telling you that when you make God, when you make the Lord your king and you trust him with your future, you trust him with your life, you trust him with your heart and your mind and your family and your finances and your job and, and, and this community and your place in this world. And you trust him and say, okay, God, whatever you have for me, I'm going to do your will, even when it hurts my will and it comes across what I'm not sure I'm I'm going to do your will. And all these things get added. And God starts taking care of you like you've never seen, never thought possible. That's what we're praying for when we say, let your kingdom, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I can't tell you enough. I can't say it often enough. I can't share it enough that when I said, God, I want your will to be done in my life. I, I, I've hurt myself and other people around me enough. The emptiness, God, at times is unbearable. I need you in my life. And when God comes in, he sets up a throne. He sets up a place as a father and a God. And as a kind, loving God, he, he, he heals us and begins to take those old habits and those old decisions that we made that the whole process behind finding our will and we're trying to please people trying to please everybody around us and make them happy and, and, and trying so hard not to feel guilty because we're not everything they expect us to be and say, okay, God, it's not what I want and it's not what the people around me are trying to make me feel, but God, what's your will? You know, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I, I, I grew up around church and I'm not looking to, I, I, I just feel like everybody wants me to do it because of them. No, 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 do it for God. Let God be God in your life and start living for Him and see it's so much better. Nobody wants anybody to do it for the wrong reasons, for to please people. That's what this world is so filled with, just trying to please people, trying to please my friends, trying to please my family, trying to... And no, wait, just put God on the throne of your life. Let your kingdom come now, Lord. And you'll find that's where peace comes from. That when people curse you, people hate you, people despitefully use you. With bad intentions, they use you. And you say, okay, God, I want to do your will. God will bring a peace in you because you're not, you're not doing it for people. You're not doing it for... For anybody else but for God. And God starts to bless and move. That's that's why it's so good to be brought into His kingdom and living for Him. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to God. Oh, 
us. God, help us. Oh, yes. No one. No one like you. right there. to move in your life. Let him be a king. Don't let anybody take that place. Not my will. Not my will, but thine be done. surrender all here today. Let you be king, Lord. Let you have full control of our lives, God. to work in you and through you your gifts and the abilities that he's given you but so often we run we hide we try so hard to hold on to our will or try to just please the people around us and never really just surrender and say okay God I'm in this situation what do you want me to do and direct my life it's not easy. Everything's not just ideal here right now, God. And there's a real hard battle I'm fighting, but God, I want to do your will. I want to follow you. When the disciples followed Jesus, they were persecuted. People hated them. People lied about them. People tried to destroy their reputations. But you know what? They were they were so glad. The Bible says in one place in the book of Acts, they rejoiced being worthy to suffer reproach for their for the Lord. God's going to take good care of you when you put Him first in your life. Let's all stand. Father, thank You. Thank You, Lord, so much for, Lord, Your heart. and Lord, to see us in our struggles, to see us in our battles, and to be so patient with us, help us to just yield ourselves to You dedicate our lives to you, the King of Kings. 
We love you. We thank you, Lord God, so much again for working in this house. I pray for each one that we can, Lord, be doers of your word. God bless each one. Keep us safe, Lord, as we travel. And God, just bless the service tonight. We give you all the praise, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. God bless you.